0: Welcome to the notorious scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and
1: competitive discussion
2: hello and welcome back to the notorious scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. Um, the first thing that is here on this outline is Cam Newton. Um, this is not a show about baseball. I don't know why like I mean why'd you put that in there Zach? Baseball, Kyle?
0: Really? I mean, I mean they throw a ball, right? So it's kind of like baseball.
1: Hand egg?
3: All right. Short, short tangent, Kyle. Okay. This was a big weekend for us Patriots fans, especially folks like Mike and I, because Mike and I are realists. We're not sure. We love Tom Brady and we love what he did for the Patriots for 20 years. Okay. But we also understand that he's been planning this escape route from Bill Belichick and, you know, the fandom here in New England for about three years with Gronkowski. So, Mike, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, go ahead.
0: All I'm going to say is that Cam Newton threw zero interceptions this weekend. Yeah. And Tom Brady threw two.
3: And one of them was for a (laughs) touchdown. So, you know what? Mike and I are going to savor this moment because as much as we love Tom Brady for 20 years, he left here uh, in the dust, and he did it on purpose with Gronkowski. It was a coup. They did it on purpose. I know they did. And uh, I'm I'm just happy to see Cam Newton, uh, you know, rushing for 75 and two TDs throwing for, I don't know, one buck, 25, no interceptions. They got they got the job done. They're going to go win in Seattle next week. And uh, that's why Cam Newton made this sheet. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: they found something that works for him. You can't throw an interception when you never throw the ball more than 10 yards or just you
0: run it. <laughs> well i mean this was a big make or break game for us you know i mean like if we had lost this game everybody would have been like oh my god the patriots dynasty is over but much like arc troopers this dynasty is sticking around and it ain't ever gonna stop
3: and i don't ever want to hear these people say that yo, oh well you beat the miami dolphins well you know what the Patriots lose to the Miami Dolphins at least once a year. At least. They, they, I don't know what it is. They, it is like the kryptonite of the New England Patriots. We lose to the Dolphins. So I don't want to hear it. I thought the Patriots just went 19-0 and every season.
2: Or whatever it is. 18?
0: I think we only did that one season. Okay. and I mean, it definitely wasn't 19. But okay, anyway. Well, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so the Patriots are like our troopers,
1: except our troopers don't need to deflate footballs to win.
3: A we just a we now. just deflate <laughs> the opponent with our uh, aimed uh, shots. Yeah, with a
1: million <laughs> keywords.
3: All right, how about we move on to news?
1: Welcome to in the news.
2: Speaking of Arc Troopers, uh, we had some new releases this week that are not Arc Troopers. And, they do uh, have jetpacks, though. They do have jetpacks, so those would be Clan Ren, uh, with the jetpacks. We also got Inferno Squad Staps. And ATRTs, depending on who you ask, right? I mean, notionally, uh, the release date is here. Some people got them, some people didn't. It doesn't seem like there were quite the same stocking issues though with arcs as there were with, or rather, other way around. Uh, these four releases did not have quite the same stocking issues.
3: Um, I don't know, Kyle, speak for yourself. My store got <laughs> zero ATRTs.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that. RT's and Inferno Squad specifically have been tough to get. Uh, at least my understanding, Inferno Squad's pretty much sold out everywhere
3: from what I can see. Uh yeah, I mean So far I
2: haven't heard of anyone's like pre orders getting straight up cancelled yet for any of these. Like they did with arcs. You right there, Mike?
0: I'm great. There's just can you hear the car alarm in the background?
3: No, I I can. Oh yes, now I can.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm like sitting here waiting for it to end so that I can talk because it started when I was like you know going a second. I was like all right, I gotta mute myself, and then it just kept going. Is that a car it's alarm fast, or a microwave? It is a car alarm. Um, you know, there's a lot of street parking around here. In fact, it's almost all street parking, so it's often that you know people leave their cars alarm on and somebody just walks by on the sidewalk and you know. Um city problems. Uh yeah, but um I do think that uh
3: I mean Zach you said your store didn't get any RTs? So I have a feeling that there was some sort of mix up and they were trying to figure out and they didn't. My store didn't get their shipment on Friday to start with. Um they actually got it today and they got it a couple of hours after they normally get their delivery so i don't know this seems like there's a lot of like store logistic issues but yeah they had plenty of Ren, they had a lot of inferno um plenty of Staps as far as i could tell but jokes on me because i said i was not going to go buy a clone atrt and then i don't know what happened this past week with me i was like i'm excited to go buy this clone atrt i kind of just want the model and paint it and uh yeah my store got zero atrt's
2: i was kind of hoping that um that one of you guys would have the ATRTs. I'm curious because I've seen some pics on Facebook. It looks like they're that it's not the same kit as the Rebel ATRT and that they're maybe a little bit more posable.
1: Oh, I have them. Hold hold on. You guys keep talking, I'll go get my box. Hang on. Okay.
3: Um I've seen some cool poses already, actually, on Facebook. Um so yeah, I I don't know. I think maybe those posts got me inspired to like go buy one because I really <laughs> Really wasn't planning on buying any. Of course, I bought Clan Ren because I was like, "Well, I need to buy something." Have you uh, started trying to put them together yet? No, I'm trying to be smart. Considering I have two, uh, you know, the fresh baby in the house, that I only put together the unit that I'm currently painting. So then that way my desk doesn't have a million models on it. I don't know. It feels a little more responsible than I usually am. That's good thinking.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'm actually gonna buy a clone ATRT. Um I unfortunately think they're gonna suffer from uh what I am gonna call bark syndrome and they don't have the clone trooper keyword, therefore they are bad. Um non clone trooperitis. Know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I think I think that if you're gonna be in the Republic faction and not have that keyword you got to be really good, and the ATRGs just don't don't do it for me.
1: Yeah, so this kid's not even close to similar. Like the a lot of the pieces are much different, um, and they're not like all in one piece. Like the legs and like you know the the foot claws, they're like in three pieces.
2: Oh wow! So
1: it's super poseable. Yeah, the, like-
2: version, the the legs were literally one all one piece for one leg.
1: Mm -hmm. these ones are much more like multi-part um oh they did the thing with the i've seen gw do this before the, the little the ends of the rotary cannon are like their own separate cap that you glue onto the onto the gun for example and the uh the main chassis is in like two halves and then um it sort of connects to the foot pedals yeah this is a pretty neat kit
3: can you um can you confirm for me while we're on air here Mm-hmm. I heard. I heard that the instructions are not that great.
1: Uh, you know, let me let me get those. I'll tell you. Got the, yeah, can um, I actually? I um, want to right here. This
3: real quick. As long
0: as we're talking about instructions, because I opened up like Ark Troopers and Padme and Cadbane and a couple other things, and like these new white sheets look cool, but the instructions are way worse.
3: Awful. I. I they look amazing. Like I don't know what it is, but the instructions are awful. I'm just being... And I'm like, be honest. And,
0: and so, like, I was trying to figure something out, and at the bottom it says you can find these online at, like, Fancy Flight Games slash Star Wars Legion or whatever. But, like, for the life of me, like, it basically it said that there was, like, a more in-depth picture that you could go and, like, figure out how it all assembled together. For the life of me, I could not find those things. And maybe... Maybe I am being ignorant of this and... I don't know, but has anybody else seen where that is? You
1: know, these are a little sparse now that I'm looking at it. (laughs) These are, these are sparse. It's, it's one sheet. It's folded in like a, like a letter kind of. And then it just shows all the parts laid out side by side.
0: Yeah. It does. They don't really show you how they go together anymore is my issue. Um, Yeah. You know, which is i don't know i mean i guess that's a little bit more like a gw kit which is fine but like some of this stuff in these kits like aren't obvious exactly how it's supposed to i mean some of it is don't get me wrong but i don't know um yeah i definitely have had some issues
2: let's bounce to hobby talk because i have a personal anecdote with respect to the instructions that i just had today so
0: brush and paint it's hobby time
2: so i started putting my mandos together yeah the instructions are not really instructions they kind of have a picture of the model and then they have a picture of all the parts that you can use to build that with you know the helpful letter designations next to it which is good but that's it and the letter designations are alphanumeric Which makes sense, right? Like, if you want to put it together like it is on the box, then you use all the ones that start with B, and you put those together. But that also means I don't really see the point, I guess, of the instructions if, you know, it just shows a picture of the model, and then it shows all the parts that start with the letter B next to it. Like, you can just look at the sprue to figure out parts go with that. There's no arrows or lines or anything. It's weird. Um, And so I was putting together Ursa. Well, Ursa's torso, because I used... Actually, I'm not a fan of her pose, so I used a different, much better posed Mando body for Ursa. But anyway, the torso that's supposed to be Ursa's torso has like this sort of like Beskar skirt thing on it, which is cool. But the Mando bodies come in two halves. And for every single other Mando model, you can put those two halves together and then like just kind of shove the legs up next to it and it'll fit with Ursa. You have to glue the legs to one of the halves before you put the second half on top of the legs. So keep that in mind.
0: Yeah.
2: Because the skirt comes, uh, like from both sides of each leg, like the legs have little notches kind of like on the thighs that the skirts from both sides slot into. So I actually, yeah, there you go. David's holding up the instructions. Um, Actually, I glued the two halves together and then I tried to put the leg on like I did with literally the other six Mandalorians and it worked fine. And I couldn't like I couldn't get it in there because <laughs> so I had to I was grateful to be using plastic glue because I immediately ripped the two halves apart and then did it properly. But
0: like there's no way to know that that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> that was no... like my my worst fear putting together the ARC troopers is that like. That the legs were not going to like, like, because I generally do the torso first, and then I I glue the legs. But I was a little bit concerned with how the kits were, you know, before it was like, you should do this first, and then you should do that first. And without that, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just kind of... Gonna do do what I can. And the the thing is, like, at least in a space marine box set, if I wreck a space marine, there's like nine more, and I've got like fifteen extra parts that I can like replace the broken part with or whatever I messed up. But there's not really don't get me wrong, there's a ton of extra like customization options in these kits, but if you screw up a torso, like that model's done.
2: Yeah, you you don't have extra torsos. There are seven Mandalorian torsos in this box, and there are seven Mandalorians in the box. So, uh there the customization options are pretty solid. I will say that on the Mandalorians. The arms are mostly swappable. Um you can't really swap between there's there's four like female bodies and three male bodies in there, and you can't really swap the appendages or the heads or the backpacks between them because they're different sizes. So it looks funny, but like you can easily swap, you know, the four female parts between each other and the four male parts between each other. Um and it looks fine. You, the, the legs are not swappable. The legs and the torsos are like effectively mono pose. Um, but you can swap all the other stuff. The backpacks have multiple versions. They have like rocket versions and not rocket versions. And then they have um, the different bets to sized backpacks. And then you got a bunch of different arm options with pistols. And the duelist has like a pistols option. Um, Ursa's got like multiple different arms that you can pose differently. So uh, that was cool. But yeah, just a word of caution. Uh dry fit everything before you go.
1: There. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is this is a huge argument and class example of why you need to dry fit everything. Just see how the fit goes. If you don't like the fit, you can take a, a file and file it down and make sure it's it's really flush because if it's not flush you'll have a gap there and you probably don't want to have to spend time going back through with like you know liquid green stuff or whatever the heck you use or just regular green stuff to like a to gap filler of some kind um you really do want to take the time before you glue to make sure it's all fit and fitting together and and have a plan for how you're going to do it before you begin
2: yeah and this brings up i want to hit staffs too in a minute um because I also started putting those together. But this sort of brings up an overall theme with these new kits, which is that A, they're much more difficult. But B, they also look awesome. So I think, you know, I'm more than willing, uh, like as a trade-off, like if the stuff is going to look cooler and be more customizable, um, difficult to put
3: together. I'm personally totally fine with. Yeah, I mean... I love, yeah. The arcs are great. I I don't think the arcs are gonna be as posable as Clan Wren from what I've seen. Um, but the arcs are great models. Um, and I'm I'm going on record just like I did with uh, K two. Like I, I strongly believe that K two needs to be pistoled with his. I mean, I uh, posed with his pistol out. If you put the best cat duelist and you don't give him uh, give her that sword. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's male or female. If you don't give it the sword and you give it the gun, I'm going to fight you. Because it looks so cool with the sword and is the best CAD duelist. You give it that sword or you heard it here first, I will fight you. Good job, Kyle. I see.
0: You know, um, as long as we're talking about the ARC kit, I got to say, um, I absolutely love the fact that there are two sniper rifles in that kit and that you can basically make two strike teams if you want to. I understand one of them is supposed to be Echo. Like, just put the helmet on and it's like, it's just an arc trooper, right? Like, it's, you know, um, it's nice to be able to like, I don't know, get two strike teams out of it, basically, if you want to, Um, or a a full arc with a sniper and a strike team with a sniper. Um, I really appreciate that. I think duplicate heavy weapons and kits would be a much loved thing generally so i'm happy to see that even if it's like born out of a technicality
2: yeah and you can even you know even if you want to be legal on the cards assuming one of your snipers is echo you can still basically make three strike teams from two units or three snipers from two units two boxes rather
0: yeah i mean like you can you can still like just use echo right like and have it be completely legal um I only got two boxes because there wasn't a third existing. So I'm feeling like I, you know, once I opened it and like put it all together, I was like, you know what? I think I can make this work. I think this is okay. You know, like, um, so I felt felt pretty good about that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And for the record, Mike, I painted Echo, okay? I painted his handprint that now cannot be seen because his gun goes across his chest. But you know what? The handprint's there. I took a picture of it. Before I put the gun in front of it, um, I'm very proud of my uh, my Echo. Uh, he is half cannon because the colors don't match, but I got that handprint in there just for you, buddy.
0: Awesome! I'm just gonna paint their fins differently i think i uh i made sure that they've got the same helmet that rex has on and i'm just gonna make sure that all the named characters in my armies have like similar iconography on their, their armor and i'm not gonna worry about handprints and stuff that people can't see but i'm glad that it makes you happy zach
2: my uh my wife used to always give me such a hard time with the 40k minis because they have a lot of situations like that where there's Almost like explicitly a thing that you're just not gonna see. You know? Like I'm painting the inside of my Land Raider and like the gears and stuff on the inside of the Land Raider. And my wife's like, nobody's gonna see that. Why do you care? And I'm like, I'll know. I'll care.
0: Yeah. I think everybody I've ever met that's played 40k has painted the inside of their rhinos, right? Like that's just that's just a thing that people do. Yeah, when you when you open
2: those doors, you gotta be able to you gotta be able to see it you know? Anyway, I put, so I put this, some steps together too, man. Whew.
3: <laughs> How are those flight stands, uh, Kyle? I
2: haven't, I haven't even like got to the flight stands yet. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, I will admit it was, uh it was doable, but it was a little bit of a challenge because the, the bike and the rider, word of warning for anyone assembling steps, you use plastic glue, do not use super glue. Uh, and try and like assemble them quickly so that nothing dries before you move on to the next step. Cause there are four contact points between the rider and the bike and all four of them are like super tiny. You got the foot pedals, but it's not the feet. Cause the pedals are like, are part of the feet They're The pedals themselves are, are actually part of the foot sculpt. There's like this little peg on the bottom of the pedal, think in your car, that rod that connects the brake pedal or the, the gas pedal to your car. That's basically what you're attaching to the fins on the staff. And then you're also attaching the joints at the wrist, but there's no, it's just flat. There's no like ball joint or peg or anything. They just kind of like meld into the wrist. So yeah, put, put the entire bike together and then put the body of the staff rider together and let that all dry and then all at once do the arms and the legs and then move it around until it fits and then sit there for 10 minutes and hold it.
0: Yeah. I ran into that with the, uh, the DC 15 X's are actually in like four parts. Um, Like the, the gun is in two pieces and I think each arm is a piece separately. And it just like, <clears throat> i I go through the process of gluing things quickly, so I'm like sitting there like holding all four connection points at the same time, trying to get them to glue the other thing I will say I sort of like it more because if you if you use the super glue on the old models, like you were just kind of screwed if you you know messed it up or whatever um with this there's at least like you can kind of like put them in the sockets and then like pose it a little bit, and there was not a ton of posability with these but I don't know um i i s- I sort of feel your pain. It sounds like you had a much harder time with it than I did it
2: I mean it was just it was more than I anticipated. I think for you know I've, I've got six of them to put together I've successfully assembled one uh so I think for the other five, I'll be more prepared but yeah i it was just sort of unexpected, like I'm gluing this thing together, and I'm like, well, these wrists are just. Like there's, you know, you just kind of like meld them into the to the hands. There's no pegs or ball joints or you just kind of have to hold them there in place until the glue dries. And you got to do it at the same time that you're holding the feet in place. Because the rider has to lean like a certain way and his arms have to be like sp- spread out a certain way. So yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great looking kit. You know, it's B1s are basically skeletons, right? So everything that has to do with B1s is going to be Super narrow joints, like really thin limbs, and stuff like that. So, it is what it is, and it, it looks great when it's put together. But, yeah, just be prepared to uh <laughs> make sure you're using plastic glue because you're gonna have to bend some stuff around and hold it there for a long time. All I got out of
3: this is that I'm just glad I didn't pick the droid faction.
1: <laughs> I was about to say literally the same thing. I was thinking to myself, man. Stap riders were one of the things I would have looked forward to the most if I was playing droids, but I ended up going with Republic because I knew I couldn't afford three armies. I just wanted to do two armies, and so I had to choose Republic because Jedi, Lightside, etc. But yeah, um, I didn't really know that those flying pogo sticks would just be so challenging like that. That's kind of absurd when you describe it.
2: And it's possible that I'm like doing it wrong. And uh, listeners, if you've
0: assembled a Stap with less effort, let me know what the trick is but had. just to bring this full circle you would know if you were doing it wrong if you had instructions uh well sort of
2: so i think i think it's possible there's a better way to do it with like the order of operations which i guess that's is what the i order mean instructions right?
0: like yeah like <laughs> like you don't know if you're doing it the best way because you're cooking it up as you go right like yeah. i don't know like ah yeah um and it's a lot of work for those. They're they're actually super small looking. I mean yeah, they're really small. Um smaller than I thought.
2: It's 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 I feel like the um I mean they're still super tall. Shark, sure. but uh yeah, they're tiny, which I guess makes sense, right? B ones aren't really
0: big. So No. And they're basically just flying B1s. Uh, I will say that I think that they're probably going to be a lot easier to hide than, like, speeder bikes or something.
3: Yeah, or, like, tons, like, you know, relative to, like, the unit, right? Like a support that, like, moves fast, but you can't hide tons that well, but staps. Yeah, I mean, Kyle's got a picture you guys can't see, but, like, it's not that big. Like, it makes me wonder if, like, they weren't the right scale in Phantom Menace looking at that thing.
0: No, I mean, I think, I think the Phantom Meno scale. I think that's pretty spot on. I mean, it's about twice the size of a B one, right? Ish. Like the the bike is not that much bigger than like the profile or silhouette of the the B one model.
3: Do you have a um? Do you have a paint scheme ready at all, Kyle? Oh, I'm just gonna
2: do the standard. My normal B ones are in like the 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 sort of beige Naboo style scheme. So I'm gonna do the the b1 in that and then i'm just going to do the bike like a reddish brown thing but yeah they're 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 pretty tall i think that they are taller than speeder bikes just because they're they're it's a much more vertical model if you look at it uh and the flight stand is even the short flight stand is considerably taller than like the speeder bike flight stand so i think i think they will be more difficult to hide than speeder bikes
1: but the fact that they're much more cylindrical, like in terms of like overall shape, I do think makes them a little bit easier when you're dealing with like structures, not necessarily with like longer, flatter pieces. Um, if I'm thinking back to some of the LVO boards that we played on, there's a lot of cases where a speeder bike couldn't get close to the corner where a stab can. There's a lot of situations like that where I think staps will will prove ultimately to be better. Um, you can also, as we saw in a couple of invader league games, um, because vehicles are still drawing a uh, true line of sight. Uh, so you draw from the head of the stap rider. you can actually bump the head like around a corner and see a corner of a silhouette. There's like all kinds of silly things you can do that. I think staps are crazy advantaged just in terms of the sculpt makes them kind of advantaged.
2: So here's, here's a question. Would you guys, there's two heights of flight stands in the box there's and there's enough that you can do all of them the same way if you want because the you know there's there's two steps in the box and there's essentially four flight stands two short flight stands and two tall flight stands would you do short or tall for and i'm speaking here purely from a not a aesthetic standpoint but a like on the table competitive standpoint Uh, short
0: stands not close
3: yeah i agree with mike and it's mainly because there's no such thing as a silhouette for a vehicle uh or anything on that base so i mean you're going to want to hide it behind let's say there's like a there's like let's say there's like a crate that's like bigger than a trooper uh but like it'll also hide your staff right but if it's on the taller peg and you can see like the head of the stap, it's gonna get shot. It's gonna be it's gonna be Luke Skywalker 2.0, but it's gonna be a stap. So I think you want it to be kind of lower uh competitively speaking.
1: If the stap were a ground vehicle, tall leader short second mini. But if this since the stap is a repulsor vehicle, double short is far and away the preferred choice.
0: Yeah, and I think that like specifically because it's on a unit who like relies on not being shot exclusively to survive. Um Like it's just more important to not be seen. Like there's an advantage clearly in being able to see over stuff, but like that's great for the ATST because it just sits there and soaks shots. Right. It's great for the AAT because it sits there and just like damage gets piled into it and it can take it because they can like, either have super high health pools or like back up their saves, you know, a staff just dies if it gets shot at generally.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm probably going to use the short stands, but I thought I'd get your guys thoughts on it because it is an interesting consideration with non trooper models since we're not talking about silhouettes. Like there's
3: advantages and disadvantages to both. Yeah. I mean, silhouettes are not our topic today, but I'm, I know. <laughs> I mean, I could easily go on a, a rant about this, Kyle. I feel I feel like you're just putting a burn in my saddle for this. I'm just I'm just
0: glad I got my boy Zach here to rant about silhouettes with me. Um, but with that being said, here's a question that I didn't think about until just now. So in Phantom Menace, the like the premier snapshot is them like buzzing around a corner and they're like a 45 degree angle. I think with the ball and socket joints, you can probably model them like that. My follow up, my my question that is followed up from that kind of scene is, where do you draw a line of sight from? Uh, <laughs>
3: all right, so <laughs> oh right, no, there's actual there's actual hold on, there's actual video evidence of a situation like this, and this was actually Kyle versus Luke Cook in Invader League season four. And Luke was trying to get his ATST to a point where it could shoot Luke around the corner. And the ATST was at at about a 45 degree angle. But the line of sight was not being drawn from the top of the ATST. It was still, or from the angle that he thought it was going to be, it is still going to be from the center of the base. So, no I, matter, so I agree. Yeah. The issue is that the, the base in this example is not being
0: angled. I'm talking about you're angling the mini on the flight stand, but not like the. So like basically you can you can further reduce
3: the stabs height. Right. By like 50 percent. Probably. I think I think you're still going to be measuring it from whatever the, the topmost point of your center point is, which means right, you're, kind like, of, you're kind of hurting yourself by putting it at an angle. Well, I mean, if you
0: don't want people to see you and you put your staff rider at a 90 degree angle to the to, like like <laughs> perpendicular to the peg, right? Like that's not like that's
3: that's a legal way to put your staff together as far as I understand it. Yes. Yeah, no, it technically is legal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I, it's not like something you can be like, oh, well, I was modeling for advantage because no, the kit is the kit and it doesn't tell you how you need to assemble it. So, yes. Well, and staff uh, can in fact fly sideways. Right, and they well, can fly the sideways. Like,
0: like there's a canonical like like justification for modeling it in that fashion. So like yes, you're modeling for advantage, but you're also modeling for like a cool narrative scene. But my follow-up question to that is, do you draw a line of sight from the guy's crotch? Like what's the deal here?
3: I think you do. Like you're gonna measure it from <laughs> the droid's shin cuz I actually think it's going to be where a shin is not a scratch so it's more like a shin but you're going to be measuring it from that spot rather than its head I believe because it's still technically done by the base not by the model even though the model is technically at a 90 so you like that's why I'm saying I think you actually hurt yourself by doing that because you can be seen through other sh- angles rather than like being vertical and you're not gaining the benefits of putting your head at a ninety degree. You're actually losing benefits because now you only can only shoot, you can barely shoot above a barricade, like the way it is.
1: The the RRG is ambiguous on this point because the language says you, you determine it from where the center of the base meets the top of the mini sculpt, but it does not define what the top of a mini sculpt is. Do all sculpts have a fixed point, which is considered the top or do, or is the top a variable point determined by how the miniature is modeled on the base? That's not established by the RRG. So it is fully ambiguous as far as I'm concerned.
0: Further question. If you Kyle, you have a stab in front of you, can you put it 90 degrees over its base? Can does the head of the model actually reach out farther than the base?
2: Uh, I actually don't have a, a base, but yes, I okay. think that it would. I think that it would be wider than the base.
0: Okay. So I just uh, a point of clarification based on the Rog. Well, I I don't know if you were quoting it verbatim there, David, but I'm pretty sure it says it over over the base, right? Yes. So if 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 for whatever reason we did say that you drew line of sight from the head of the model because it's the air quotes top, it's not even over this, over the base. So it still wouldn't meet the qualifications in this situation, right?
2: I think it would just simply be like center of base, draw a vertical line straight upwards, and wherever that contacts the top part of your particular sculpt, that's where you draw a line aside from. That's my feeling as well. Now, that brings up another interesting question. Because (laughs) technically... I know this is way beyond hobby talk. We're actually, we are going to do corner cases when we it's, get to our... Competitor. It's not
3: even that. It's not even that. It's just these questions are are boiling down to the same point, which is why the F are there no silhouettes for these things? But continue.
2: Oh Man, I, don't even get me started on silhouettes for vehicles. Um, But the AAT, technically you draw a line of sight when shooting from the AAT from like the point right in front of the turret where the gun meets the turret. Not, suppose you have a B1 dude in the in the tank turret right you don't draw it from his face you draw it from the top of the center of the model which is i don't have my at right next to me but it's where the barrel meets the turret right so if if you look at this step writer, where would you say the center of this model
3: is likely to be depending the ba- on where the, peg. the barrel of the gun kind of like the like where not like the barrel of the gun but like what the barrel of the gun goes to
2: yeah the handlebars yeah right yeah. So I'd imagine, so technically rules is written. I think that's where you would draw the line of sight from on a stat. Now, I'd imagine most people are still going to be drawing it from the head because that makes sense. (laughs) And I think you could even just like, if you really wanted to get silly, you could like push the, push the peg, you know, the, um, uh, the the clear, clear Yeah. yeah. Like, you could push it forward on the base so that, like, the thing over the center of the base was actually the stab's head. Which seems kind of silly that you would have, like, if that looks stupid, it seems kind of silly that you would have to do that such that you actually draw a line of sight from the top of the sculpt. Because it's purely disadvantageous to draw a line of sight from the handlebars when the guy's face can be shot, right? So That's
0: why why you should model him completely sideways.
2: (laughs) Well, here's another question we're getting way into the weeds on modeling for advantage here. And I would, I would not do any of these things just to be clear. I'm going to put him in a way that looks like it makes sense. I mean, you could
0: say that, but I totally would. So.
3: Continue. Okay. Anyway. And, and anyone that listens to this podcast and puts their steps sideways, 90 degrees is, is every time next time I see Mike, I'm going to punch him right and square in the arm. Cause it's all his fault.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm anyway. okay with that. Abuse the rules.
3: Here's, here's another question. Can you can you clip the peg to make it shorter? Oh God, no! I don't think so. So I, I disagree
0: I with that assessment. and And let me hear me out here. I think that it's totally reasonable, for instance, to glue all of your arc troopers straight to the base, even if they look kind of weird. Yeah, but they use silhouettes. They do, but I don't know. All right, <laughs> that's that's fair, but. I, I think that it's. I, I think it's fine.
3: totally fine. Hold on. it gets even more complicated with arcs because if you put the leader on a, on a peg, he can actually now move over terrain because we're not doing movement over, by the by the silhouettes. So it's, yeah, even, more, yeah, it's yeah. even a loaded we've question, Kyle. We've already been down that road. Right.
0: I know. Also, <laughs> I would like to point out here that the instructions don't actually say that you have to put it on a peg. There are no instructions on how to put that thing together. There is just a list of parts. <laughs> so, if you put this, if you glue, so and you can even meet the criteria by gluing the peg to the base and then gluing the stap to the base in a separate location, and you you would still be assembling the model. All of the parts would be present,
2: but the it, peg is actually on. If you look at the instructions, the peg is the peg is listed. I understand <laughs> it's. Listening. That's why I'm
0: saying you can, you can glue the, the peg to the base and it will still be on, on the miniature. The fact that we're it will be present conversation is ridiculous. Kill all the lawyers. Maybe, maybe, but I'm just throwing it out there. There's no instructions on how to put this thing together. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, you can do whatever you want with it. There is no letter of law determining any of this.
2: Yeah. I, and I guess, This goes back to the conversation we had ages ago about Luke's lightsaber and can you model Luke, you know, before silhouettes, are you allowed to model Luke with his lightsaber deactivated?
0: Well, so no, because there was instructions and then like, it was like very clear that this is how you had to assemble your Luke. You have to use all the parts and you have to put them together in this specific thing. And by extension, wherever you put him on the base would affect where he could and could not be seen. You could put him on the tail end of the base and leave the front ninety percent exposed. You still have to, even in that specific scenario, like you still have to see Luke to shoot him, right? Like, um, so like, there's still ways to manipulate and game the system. In air quotes, I, I, I don't know. I there's there's nothing governing it, governing any of this. It
3: boils down to one thing, okay, and one thing only. Ban the new instruction sheet sheets. Okay, ban right. those new sheets.
1: I love how we're banning instruction sheets from the rules
0: now. It's uh, can- theoretically, you could glue all of your models so that they're standing on their heads, and it would be completely legal. Listen, like <laughs>
3: 2020, it's cancel season. These instructions are being canceled. Okay, that's what we're doing. We're canceling this this ridiculous talk. I'm. A, I, you can't see me, listeners. Okay. David had his his has his ambient light on, and it's like a like a purple like red pink. My face might be as purple red and pink as that light behind David because this discussion is out of control. Michael, you're out of control with these staff riders. I I can't even believe it.
0: You say I'm out of control, but when somebody shows up to a tournament and you're the one that has to make the judge call on this. Don't come running to me and be like, oh, you know, so-and-so brought staps and he's not even on the peg. How do, I, how do I figure out where light of sight's drawn? There's not even a model over the center of the base.
3: Kyle, uh, how, how much were staps? $35? Yeah. All right. If I have to make a judge call like that, I'm going to snap that step right off of its base <laughs> and then hand them $35 and say, thank you. Have a good day
1: listen there, there's some actual jurisprudence that covers this um it's called the miller test um you know obscenity when you see it so it's not really a question of like we don't need to we don't actually need a definition to rule whether something is out of line or not we can just we just know it when we see it so this may just be a case of you know it when you see it that it's um intended to ga- be gamey and cheesy and it's really just going to depend on how the TO feels right. The TO has the final say, whether or not a model flies or not at a tournament. So, you know, it's, it's this, this whole discussion could be moot because the tournament director can just say it's, it's bad by fiat. They just know that it's wrong and shouldn't be allowed, even if they have no basis in, in the written law.
0: I, I want to agree with you, David, but, if I drop $500 on like plane ticket, hotel room and all that stuff and I show up to a tournament and you say I can't use my models, you better have it in writing why I can't use my models.
1: Don't well, be cheesy. I can't say that on the air.
0: I mean but, but like really, like like you you got to have it in writing. I don't I think it's unacceptable for it not to be. And well, I understand that we can't cover every case but these seem like pretty obvious ones that we could very easily hit
2: and this there's so i don't think there's a explicit modeling for advantage thing in the ffg tourney regs and maybe there should be but there definitely is essentially to cover 40k because this is a huge discussion in 40k there is a a rule like this for most tournaments that extend to all miniatures games including adepticon where it essentially uses what David was talking about, the, you know, when you see it thing. So I think there is an actual risk, you know, if you put your staps and just glue them straight to your base, or even potentially put them all sideways. I think there's a risk that if you show up to Adepticon, a judge could say that you can't use those.
3: Or in my case, snap it in half.
2: (laughs) Right. Um, And then Zach gets banned for aggressive behavior.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> don't throw your models Zach
2: yeah but I think this goes back to I'm glad we're having this discussion any sort of customization that you do that is radically different from what's pictured on the box or what people are accustomed or, or used to if if you're bringing them to a tournament you should like figure out who the to is or the judge and email them and be like are these okay because but like
0: the instructions don't show you how it should be assembled.
2: No, I know, and the instructions are are a separate issue here. But the the there there essentially aren't instructions for a lot of these other mini games too, and they they have similar like you know when you see it kind of rules. So I do think it's important to just call out the fact that yes, you can try this with your stats. but there's a non-zero chance that you might not be able to use them at a tournament like Adepticon or Nova Open that have these modeling for advantage rules. Which cover Legion because it's a miniatures game in their um, in their rules docs.
3: Or it's as simple as red pill, blue pill, and red pill is modeling for advantage, or blue pill is create silhouettes for all bases in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I, I just I think that there's just there's way more room to like expand and and set and like put down rules that are that are there so that we don't have to have these conversations. Like I I mean I understand that a lot of the anecdotes that I have thrown out there was born out of me being intentionally silly, but like, I would like to draw us back to the original point in this conversation where like there's a narrative scene and narrative basis to do this to Stapps. So I, I don't think the modeling for advantage argument holds up. Like you can, you can clearly point out and say, Hey, like this is, I modeled this straight out of the movies. like, like this is unreasonable. Like I don't, I don't think that holds up under the what? Sorry, did you call it the Miller rule, David?
1: Yeah, the Miller, the Miller test. Just, just you know, when you see it, rules. Yeah, it may not hold up, and you're right. And and of course, like this whole thing is like, it's based on a circular definition, which is like, it's it's like the community's interpretation of it, right? But then then you try to ask, well, what's the community's interpretation? It's sort of like you have to like, you have to have a. Uh, you have to have a stopping point, right? There's no, there's no like infinite recursion about what the community's opinion of something is, right? Because that, that can be flexible, right? Like in, at the start of this year, we thought this was, this situation was crap. And at the end of this year, we think the situation's okay. And like, you know, opinion shift, it's like a malleable thing, right? So I guess what I'm trying to say is um, it's subjective and relative to context it's in.
3: Yeah. I mean, and I, I, agree. I- well, I was going to say, it's not even a conversation if there's no example of it. So I think you brought up a good point, Mike, by by starting the conversation, by proving that there's an actual example of these steps doing what you were saying, which in turn creates the entire conversation. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I think that that's kind of where like,
0: you know, I mean, clearly there's like all these like out of the box examples. And I think. I think the thing that we're talking about kind of opens the Pandora's box that leads to them, right? But there's clearly this situation that is reasonable and a thing that I think that hobby-wise is completely in the realm of, like, if somebody showed up to a tournament and, and had stats like that, I'd be like, that's awesome, that's sick, good on you for doing this hobby thing. But, like, the, there's a real question about what the gameplay ramifications are for modeling these units like that.
2: Yeah, ultimately it'd be nice if you could just be like, hey man, that looks sweet and it has no ramifications at all in the gameplay of whether they put it on the tall or the short bases or whether they have them flying sideways. I do think I do think, with the Miller rule discussion, you know, you talked about theme, like putting the staps sideways such that they're flying sideways, which you see them do in the show and in the movies is one thing if they're on the peg. I think once you cut, like remove the peg, or clip the peg, then you're starting to enter the, what's the purpose of this modification con- conversation?
0: Totally. I was just trying to prove a point with that example.
2: Yeah, because essentially what the Miller rule is for modeling for advantage is if the purpose of the modification is purely to gain a competitive advantage, then it's not okay. If the purpose of the modification is because it looks cool, then it's okay, essentially. And there's there's no like hard and fast rule for what that is
0: the issue with both of those scenarios is that when somebody shows up to a tournament and tells you it's for narrative reasons you have to take them at their word right like you there's no like you you don't have like a truth you know eye of truth like link and legend of zelda where you can just be like you know what i know you're lying to me dude um and you you know um i don't know and and i think it it creates i look i i think like of the time this won't matter probably, but there, there are going to be times when judges are going to get this call. I think,
2: Uh, I mean, we already saw like, I I remember seeing pictures. This is probably a year or something ago. I remember seeing pictures at an RPQ of someone that had tauntauns all the way on the edge of their base and not in the center. Like they were all off to one side such that the second foot was basically like off the base. (laughs) And, and you look at a mod like that, and you're like, "What's, what's the purpose of this? Right? Like, it probably makes them harder to see around the corners of line of sight blockers. But is there a, is there a thematic reason for putting all of your tauntauns on the far right side of your base?
1: Is there an artistic reason?
2: Maybe you want to. Maybe you're doing something really cool with your base, and you want to highlight what's on it. I don't know. Well,
0: but- it turns out that these tauntauns specifically race at Canto Bite, and they go around the circular track. There so you they're, go. Uh, they're, they're always going in the same... <laughs> they're always turning in the same direction. Therefore, I put them on the right-hand side of my base to simulate the fact that they're always turning left. Duh.
1: Yeah, there you go. This is a, a game of fantasy miniature. not a game of fantasy bases. Although... There is, a rule that, there is a rule that says the high, actual height of the miniature doesn't matter for ba- for play, legal movement placements. so it might be a game of fantasy bases. <laughs> we don't actually know because there's no rule that stops you from scooting a, a tauntaun like, underneath a gap or whatever, cause as long as the base can slide through there.
0: We should play a game one day where people come up with like weird modifications to their models, and we just have to come up for a story, narratively, of why they should be that way. I think that was actually kind of fun, I thought.
2: So in the Tauntaun situation, if they're like Derek Zoolander and they can only turn in one direction, maybe you could say during the game that they can only ever turn left and they can't turn right. They they have to turn left.
0: (laughs) I think that would be awesome, legit.
2: Do they also have black lung? (laughs) Yeah. All right, we've spent way too much time on this topic. Bottom line, if you're going to do something crazy with your models maybe just talk to somebody first about it be like, do you think this is okay?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I also think I'm going to shoot an email after we get off this podcast and see if we can get an answer to how, how the snap thing should be resolved.
2: It's, it's luckily it is a question that is not going to be relevant for a while, but it's one that needs to be answered at some point, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean like clearly it's not gonna be an issue for like all the online stuff because there's only one you know pose or whatever but right um once once if if lvo happens i'm i'm sure this could come up so
2: it's definitely going to come up i mean it's already come up with models much less moddable than saps so it's It's going to come up
0: again it's going to be all mike barry's fault well i mean uh last lvo I, i i forget your name i'm very sorry but the guy that brought an all wookie army to LVO, like his Tauntaun models were taller than a standard Tauntaun model because the Wookiees were taller. Right. And, and, and Brendan said that was cool. And, and like, he was like, theme theme is great. And I think anybody that's like, you know, anywhere reasonable would be like, yo, that's dope. Totally. Totally. That's fine. Right. But I mean, I think the, the, the rules still work, in that instance, is the issue. Yeah. yeah.
3: But I think he showed up to the tournament, showed it to Brendan, and then he also had a backup army in the event that Brendan said no, if I'm not mistaken. I could Yeah, be, I mean, be he, he did it the right way. There's no doubt about it,
0: right? Um, It's just like the rules don't break if he does
3: his thing. Yeah, fair. I Yeah, I get what you're saying.
2: I think what, before we leave this topic... I think essentially what Legion needs is something like what GW games have, which is an advantage-disadvantage rule. Which essentially means if you do like a custom mod or build it substantially different from what is quote-unquote normal or expected, then you use all the disadvantages of your model while gaining none of the advantages of it. In other words, if you were to build your staff shorter, your opponent would essentially like replace that staff with a full size full height staff when they were shooting at it but when you were shooting from the staff then you would use your shorter staff because it would be disadvantageous in both of those situations essentially right so and then that essentially eliminates modding for advantage because there's there's no competitive reason to substantially customize or change something because you're only hurting yourself essentially um all right, that was a long hobby, quote unquote hobby section. Do you guys have any actual like hobby stuff besides what we talked about already?
1: Yeah, I have a one small thing. Uh, I started to paint C3po, and I think he's doing pretty good. Um, I used black Templar contrast paint for the first time, and I think it was very successful. I'm actually super enthused about the results. I used it for the palms of his hands. I used it for The uh, midsection, because he's got those exposed wires, I wanted a nice dark background for the exposed wires. And I thought about using it on the backs of his knees, but there are different sources that have the backs of the knees being open wires and the backs of the knees being metal. So I went with ultimately went with metal. But uh, yeah, I can totally recommend black contrast paint for the small areas. And I'm actually feeling it a lot more than just shade normal shade i think it's actually really nice nice little trade-off it makes those dark areas really dark
2: 3po seems like a perfect candidate for contrast paint
1: yeah because he's got all these bridges everywhere right and so you could totally like paint him silver and then do like a contrast yellow but i i, I wouldn't recommend it i just use the normal method because i have all the paints so i use like um uh, the sort of the regular gold-based retributor armor. And then um in hindsight, I, I tried to use um the normal layer brush or normal layers with like auric gold is what it's called. And I think in hindsight, if I had to do this model over again, I would probably just dry brush him because I think it wasn't worth the suffering of having the extra layers of paint. I think dry brushing metallics is probably the way I'm going to go from now on. And I especially think dry brushing over a gloss wash is really good because the gloss helps preserve some of the shine of the metal. Uh, normally, when you shade with a matte wash, it redu- it lowers the shine quite a bit. And I-, I want my metals to be blindingly bright. That's just my preference.
0: Yeah, dry brushing is like the easiest and like one of the best techniques out there. Like I cannot, I'm not good at painting, but I can dry brush like a boss and uh it like i use it all the time even on like some non-metallic stuff like i use it for my bases i use it you know all sorts of stuff dry dry brushing is great if you don't know how to do it you, you google it on youtube or
3: i'm sure dustin's probably got a video on yeah, it. yeah dustin has one right on the fifth trooper youtube if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah so yeah. don't google it go directly to the fifth Trooper.com and check out dustin's <laughs> yeah. I mean, another great thing mentioned there is the black Templar contrast paint is like, oh, my God, I can't recommend it enough.
0: <laughs> like, It's so good.
3: Like, I basically just use it for all the black on my clone troopers and then I just paint white around it. And it just makes my life so much easier because I just like slather it on. I let it dry and then I paint the white and then I'm just like, all right, well, let's do some colors and I'm done. Um, It's just such a versatile paint. So do you, you prime it with at first though, right? Uh, yeah, I I have a weird technique. I don't know if it's the, the normal way, but I do a prime like a like a white gray, and then I take null oil. I just douse it on every model, and then I take because um, I want the masks to be null oiled. But in order to in order to like to paint my clones, I want to make sure that the null oil is set, so I don't have to go back and do it unless there's like a little touch up area. So then I paint around the null noiled areas with the white, and then I use like the black, and use like the black Templar. Um, my phase ones, I had a different technique. I, I did null noil, then I dry brushed, and then I painted over. But then I just realized the dry brush was just redundant. So I got rid of the dry brushing, like the white, and then I just started going. It's just basically prime, null, black Templar in the areas, white paint, green, done.
1: I really yeah. do like the the black Templar contrast because it flows right and like clones have, clones are like one of the toughest ones right because it's it's black versus white so that's really tough right because white is very translucent and of course it's extremely bright and black is the opposite it's much more thick and kind of dark in terms of because uh, it's like full of pigment right so I I always found that like when I was using null oil. It just wouldn't fill up the gaps fast enough, and contrast paint is really flowy. You don't need to water it down at all. So all you really need to do is just like drip a little bit into the into the recess, and just try to get it to flow into the corners. And then if you have too much, you can just clean off your brush, and then dip into the pool with the cleaned brush to try to soak up uh, the excess. And that, that's given me some pretty good results.
0: I uh I hate painting white. It is the worst thing ever. Um, that's why my clones will be black, probably with purple highlights, I think. We're going we're going with Mace Windu Clone Legion, I think. There you go. You know what's worse than white? Yellow. Yellow.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Yellow.
3: I, I, I was <laughs> gonna know. say ninety ninety degree steps.
2: <laughs> you know what the canon
3: color for clan ren is yellow yellow and white i have <laughs> so ironically though i bought like this yellow this vallejo yellow that i'm excited to use on clan ren like it looks like it might be like the perfect yellow and i just bought it randomly for no apparent reason one day so
2: you'll have to let me know how that turns out i'm actually kind of excited to paint clan ren because yeah. of, because of the colors <laughs> when so it, Airbrush is kind of cheating when it comes to white. It makes it really easy, or at least a lot easier to paint white. And white is one of those colors that when it's actually painted properly and smoothed, it looks like amazing. So I'm actually sort of excited to do Clan Ren, because I'm totally going to airbrush that white, and then I'm going
3: to try and do some freehand with the yellow designs and stuff on them. Yeah, I keep on saying I'm not going to buy Rebels, but these... <laughs> like, this, I don't know. I saw the art on Clan Ren, it, and like it just looks so good. I'm like, these models and the paint job that they have just really, really inspired me to just be like, all right, I want to try and emulate this. And I don't know, painting, painting Mandalorians is just like a lot of fun. I don't know what it is. Like painting Boba Fett was a lot of fun. Painting Sabine was like a lot of fun. So you just kind of see these Mandalorians and just like a minute.
1: Probably going to end up doing my Mandos, um, kind of inspired by Mandalorian. There's a lot of Mando helmets out there that are, it doesn't, like there's some that are full matte and there are some that are full metal. And then there's like the combo look that like Django Fett has where you have the metal skull portion and then the face guard is like matte blue. And I think that looks the best out of all to have that combination of of shine and matte together in one place. So I'm probably going to do that. I'm probably going to pick up some red contrast paint and experiment with that as well. But I'm definitely going for like a, a more of a red look. Um, my army colors are are red and light gray. And so I think red is perfect for Mandos with silver helmets. I think that would make them look pretty savage.
2: Yeah, that sounds like that would look really good.
3: Just so you know, right. Kyle, I, I grabbed the yellow. It's just model color by Vallejo. And it's flat yellow. Um, okay. I have a picture of my K2 I'll send you after. It just looks really good. Like it's just a really good flat yellow.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I'm in the market for a good yellow. I've got that, uh, that old school GW yellow, but it's not uh, quite, the same. quite the same color for. Yeah.
3: Aver- Aver- Averlin sunset.
2: To- Topset ochre. Oh, I don't
3: okay. even have that. I, I- it might not even have- be called
2: that anymore. Some <laughs> of my GW pants are literally 15 to 20 years
1: old. It's probably Averlin sunset. If it's the base yellow color that they have. Yeah,
2: I think that's what it is. Uh, sure, so it's our- not like
0: dog park snow? <laughs> dog park snow.
2: Yeah, David, that's the one. Uh, speaking of dog park snow, let's move on to our our competitive section.
1: Get ready for advanced tactics.
2: So we have two super interesting and actually fairly relevant corner cases to talk about today. So the first one has to do with promoting a unit and specifically doing so with covert ops because that essentially lets you do so at the start of the game at your option. So Mike, you're the first one that brought this up. You wanna you wanna talk about this one?
0: Yeah, so there are there are two corner cases that I'd like to talk about here. So the first is if you promote a unit um like say say you promote inferno squad when i didn't covert ops right um they're now immune to force choke which is super awesome because they now retain the commander rank like they literally lose their special forces rank similarly if you were to like you promote a rebel trooper squad or uh, a mandalorian squad after covert ops and cassian like they become immune to force choke um, because they they gain the commander rank and you can't choke for uh commanders or operatives so um that's really cool there's also a downside to this in that um like let's say that you promote inferno squad to be your commander inferno squad can no longer benefit from tactical strike because they are no longer a special forces unit um so there's like some weird caveats like you would think that that interaction would work a little better than it does uh but it the way that it's written you know if you promote like an an infiltrating special forces unit uh it will not benefit from the uh, the tactical strike text um so that's something to watch out for uh you know it's a a little bit quarter case but like also sort of not because i think most of the time when you're playing Iden, you're almost always promoting a special forces just because like they're likely to have the highest courage outside of your commanders and operatives in your list anyways um so that's a little weird
2: i mean i think you could make a case for promoting something like a mortar
0: totally yeah i i think so too uh it it's it's weird because in today's day and age mortars are pretty uh vulnerable pieces on the battlefield you know uh a two arc trooper strike teams can pretty much say good night uh to a mortar pretty easily and you don't want to get caught with your you know courage bubble pants down if you will um especially in an imperial list where you know no my shore troopers are courage too to panic that's not a place you want to be
2: so one other corner case as it relates to Rebels, you mentioned Mandalorians or Clan Ren. Of course, it makes them immune to Force Choke, which is just straight upside for them. And it also, if you're, if you're using Cassian, it also makes them eligible as a target for Last Stand. So, uh, And it doesn't affect their eligibility for Volunteer Mission because Volunteer Mission is all of those things. Uh, essentially, there's no downside for removing Spec Ops.
0: Yeah, and Sabine's 3-PIP is also commander operative or special forces, right? Correct. Like, for determining who gets it, so I think you're good there, too.
2: Yep. There's basically zero downside. You know, of course, you have to consider where they're going to be on the battlefield positionally, right? Are they going to be, if you have Courage 1 core units that you care about, are they going to be near them? Maybe not. And then maybe you still want to make it like a sniper or something. I mean a fourth joke for mandalorian units pretty pretty clutch
0: yeah i actually think that that's a really big deal um in fact i think that they're like if your opponent has if you're playing mandos and your opponent has a unit with force choke i actually think that whether you intend to deploy outside of your deployment zone or not um i think you probably covert ops and promote a mando unit specifically so that can't happen agreed um because losing like I don't know what the, the points per model is off the top of my head, but it's gotta be close to thirty um for for Mando's and, and that's a little rough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's thirty something, actually. If you if you fully kitted, it, I think you can get up as high as like one thirty four for a four model unit. It's kind of silly.
3: Yeah. Kyle missed one downside with the Mando's. Uh, if you up if you uh change them from um special forces to a commander, you can no longer use sabotage communications, which you know is peak meta.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and maybe a little bit more importantly, they're no longer eligible targets for serve master. well, I think.
3: No, that's fair. Actually, yeah, yeah. It's you can can't target a commander or operative, which is ironic because I have been thinking about doing that with serve master. It's a good way of not getting caught like you said um yeah because ser- serving some mandalorian it seems pretty fun <laughs> yeah no it seems really good
0: i mean like obviously like you've got to kind of take a long road to get there right like you have to have cassie and you have to have mandos and you have to have luke which seems a bit of a tall order and like also not take sabine probably um and then you have to have serve in your list and yeah i don't know um and it's also gotta be operative Luke, not Commander Luke, because then you wouldn't promote anybody if it was Commander Luke and, you know, yada yada yada. So um a lot of a lot of check boxes that you gotta check before that situation came up.
2: Yeah, I think the most likely scenario is gonna be Cassie and Sabine Mando's, or just Cassie and Mando's, because both of those combinations are actually good. So you're gonna see that a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I think the 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 most likely scenario that we're going to see this coming up on is Inferno squad. Um, Like Iden promoting Inferno squad, I think is going to be a thing that we see frequently. Um, If I had to guess, because generally like, I think, I think the Iden infiltrate package, like you're basically creating like a front bubble and your army is going there anyways. So like there's not a ton of downside to promoting, you know, Inferno Squad Courage three on the front line, like you're good to go. The issue is that they don't get tax strike at that point, which is which is a significant downside.
2: It is, but it may very well be worth that trade off for that Courage three bubble.
0: Yeah, totally.
3: Yeah, it also depends. I mean, the good thing is that you have that option when you need it, because don't forget, it really depends on if you're playing a list that has Force Choke number one, but also playing against a list where a unit is actually going to threaten Inferno Squad with force choke like it could it could all just be a turn zero type of situation where you know that you're probably going to be able to keep inferno squad away from the force user using force choke so maybe you don't have to right um i mean there's just a lot of there's just a lot of scenarios here like there's a lot of variables to the situation but it's certainly a, a good niche thing to have in your back pocket when you need it
0: yeah i actually think it's more common that it's a negative effect as opposed to a positive one like i think you're super likely to want to infiltrate Aiden, like a lot of the time and don't get me wrong inferno squad clearly also has infiltrate but i think that they're more of the unit that you kind of want to support your army a lot of the time like Aiden, outside the tax strike turn acts a lot like an operative um you know she's she's very like in your face you know working in the range two to three band she doesn't really need to be with the army but a lot of time, like clearly she can be but like if you're doing like a box grab situation like Aiden is definitely better than inferno um and, and even in a lot of the harassing situations Aiden is a lot better like she doesn't deteriorate when you take wounds which is a really big deal so a better genera or so oh i mean uh, that's not close. I'm sorry. I know that there's people out there that love Jin. I mean, I get the comparisons between Aiden and Jin. I do think they're very different characters. They're clearly in different factions. Um, but yeah, if you're like comparing their rate on Infiltrate or Covert Ops and Infiltrate, like, yeah, Aiden wins hands down. Not close. So here's an interesting question.
2: We talked a couple episodes ago about. If you could field a unit, or I'm sorry, a list with no faction restrictions. What would you field? Would you do Iden and Cassing together? I feel like that'd be really good.
3: That sounds kind of gross, yeah.
1: <laughs> Recovering Aiden's uplink and ID 10 shield with volunteer mission seems disgusting. Last stand, of course. Disgusting as well.
0: Uh I think it gets really complicated. It probably involves Rex in a list with short troopers. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Wait, call me captain Range five, or not? Call me Captain Clankers. Range five short trooper shots. I think, I
0: think the limit on on take that clankers is four.
1: Oh, that's too bad. You can't get a T twenty one to range five.
0: But, but but you, you can you, get a full shore squad at range four. Oh, uh, right? that's and true. You're, and, you're, and you're getting the aim for free. I don't I don't know. I mean, that actually might not even be as good as a phase two squad with a C six. I don't know. I'd have to do the math on it. But
2: it's yeah. not I mean, if you give them offensive push, they would have two aims. But that's still like five or six aims less than your clone trooper Z six would have. So.
0: Yeah, I mean you could do like some weird stuff like taking rex and dooku in the same list and then somehow playing like take that clankers and then like giving dooku an aim token and like i don't know you you can do some stuff if if you break the faction boundaries that's cool
2: i think that'd be really fun to do like a tournament with no faction boundaries and see what people
3: come up with i don't know this i don't know because this episode is clearly the full degeneracy of michael barry so (laughs)
0: i'm I'm a degenerate at heart like that's that's what i do i am i am here to break things uh and have fun like that's where i i get my fun out of breaking things i enjoy it it's it's a
3: thing um so you'd enjoy me breaking your steps it's perfect <laughs> I don't own steps, so that works for me um but yeah i yeah back back to the to the uh to the topic at hand. I do think weighing your positives and negatives with the immune force joke thing is is going to be interesting. I don't know. I I do. I guess I guess it's really weird because I haven't seen Inferno Squad or Mandalorians on the table, and what I mean is like the tabletop simulator table because they're not in the mod yet, right? And we're used to playing things before they come out from, and that kind of helps me have like this like idea of what I'm looking at. But I kind of don't I kind of don't hear. Like I'm just like, yeah, this all sounds great. And then I'm gonna see it on the table the first time and just be like, Well that that's not what I expected. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's gonna be interesting.
0: Yeah, it's also super notable that this doesn't really come up that much because the only like unit that really gets taken that has four jokes attached to it is Dooku. Um like, I mean, I don't know. As much as I want to say that Vader is a thing, he's not really a thing right now. Though I do think Operative is still still good. People just don't play him. Um, I don't know. I, I think if we were to see force choke become a a thing where like it's in every imperialist or fifty percent of imperialists, I think that, that this would be much more of a conversation.
2: Yeah, I agree. All right, speaking of Dooku, our second corner case here is a separatist one. Who wants to take this one?
1: I guess me.
3: <laughs> None of us play droids, but you, Kyle. Alright, alright. All yeah, right. you're the
1: resident Dooku expert. So I
2: didn't come up with this. This Luke Cook actually came up with this. I can't take credit for it. But basically, the struggle with Cad Bane is how do you peekaboo safely when you only have one jump, a- jump action? And particularly, how do you do it where you're getting aim tokens? Because if you if you take offensive push, you can only use it once before you recover. So there is, in fact, a way to peekaboo and recover your your offensive push on this at the same time, and that's with ascension cables.
3: Yeah, I think it's so, really good.
2: Yeah, it is. So scale gives you a free clamber action after a move action. Jump is a move action, so you can jump to the edge of something. Take your free steady shot because you have two triggers there, right? You have the scale trigger on Clamber, and you have the relu- or I'm sorry, the study trigger, um, and when there's two triggers that occur at the same time, they both still go off, but the owning player decides, whoever owns the unit or is activating rather, uh, decides which order they go. And so you would choose after you do your jump action, you do your your steady shot with the pistols, and then you still have a free Clamber action, which you then move to Clamber down the backside of whatever the terrain piece is. So all of these things, you've done essentially three things. You've jumped, you've shot, and you've clambered back down. All of that is one action. You still have a second action, which you can then use to recover your ascension cables and your offensive push that you popped on your jump.
1: Boom. It gets even better because then you attach an uplink to Cat and get that back too. Right.
2: And or his gloves, which are also uh, exhaustible. Oh boy! <laughs> no, that's a pretty expensive cad bane at that point, right?
1: It's one
3: hundred fifty three. Uh, yeah, yeah. I but mean, you're you're you also found a way to keep him relatively safe, which is one of Cad's problems, right? I mean, it's it's.
0: I'm gonna. I would like to put "relatively safe" in air quotes. It's relatively safe, and he basically never gets to move again. Right? Like, you you can't like you can't peekaboo and like move around the battlefield.
2: Well, certainly not on the turn that you do that, but you can always just do a conventional, you know, move, jump to somewhere you want to be, do your study shot, and then continue moving on to somewhere else.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I guess uh, what I'm trying to say is, I think that the like the dream of like doing this every turn is not super realistic, unless you're in like a super defensible position. Like his pistol is only range two, right? Yes,
2: yeah. I mean your opponent. Like if you stake out that spot. That sort of perfect peekaboo up and down spot, your opponent's just gonna avoid it, probably,
0: yeah, i mean the his his three pip that basically says infiltrate you know makes that easier to do than like other characters, but
1: yeah. All the Gar players over here yawning because Overwatch standby virtually solves this. Yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm sitting here like, uh, and I care because I it, to, <laughs> oh, be care to be
1: honest, you don't care about much because you're hiding behind a standby castle.
0: Yeah, so he jumps to the top of the pillar, I shoot him with like two Z sixes, he takes a shot, kills a clone or two, and then I shoot him again? Oh, okay. All right.
2: Yeah. yeah. This clearly <laughs> this does not work against the Gar standby castle. <laughs> but i think i think it's clever i think it's a good use of cad bane and his various abilities and i
1: was going to say there is still potential for lateral movement as long as you end your jump in a place you can scale
0: yeah no totally i i do think that i like that it works on a character who's super gadgety um i think that that like it sort of feels abusive, but at the same time, I'm like, it's Cad Bane. Like this dude has like 6 billion gadgets in his cloak. Like this is fine.
1: Yeah, I can,
2: it is. I can totally see Cad Bane, you know, igniting his rocket boots as he's flying upwards, shooting some kind of grapple cable back down to the ground. You know, at the apex of his jump, he takes some pistol shots and then he activates his grapple cable. and yanks himself back down to the ground. I could totally see that.
0: I I'm sure that there's a Clone Wars episode where he does something similar, right? Like
3: Yeah. I mean on topic but off topic kind of. I think Cad falls into the category of Palpatine and what I mean by that is you're not going to see a lot of Cad because of his price and that he's gadgety like Mike said, but when you run into somebody that knows how to do these things with Cad Bane Kind of like when somebody knows how to run Palpatine correctly, you're not going to know what to do because you haven't played against Cad Bane a lot, right? So, like if somebody is doing this peekaboo shoot, you know, shoot thing, well, what if they position their Cad tokens into a spot where they corner you into that position? You have no say, anyways. And that's because, and and this could become a situation where you're just not used to playing against Cad Bane and you don't know how to, to appropriately appropriately defend his gimmicky type of things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can also get caught there. I
3: think a Cad
0: Bane game is the only time Kyle's conceded to me during deployment. <laughs> Accurate.
2: Well, no, it was a, you shot him. It was turn one.
0: Okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure we talked about you conceding during deployment.
2: Oh yeah, totally. I uh, it was a <laughs> it was an aggressive Cad Bane play
0: that I had no business making, and uh, he died on the first turn. I, I scouting partied into Rex and yeah. popped like, all his Bane tokens out ter- uh, during, in deployment.
2: Yeah, one of which was a <laughs> ill-advised Bane placement that he then fire-supported because, of course, I had to pay, play Cad Bane's 3-Pip on the first turn. So, approach yeah, so- on Cad Bane, just put all three of your tokens in safe locations behind line-of-sight blockers and make him guess which one of them is the Here I Am token. Don't even worry about like blowing stuff up. Or trying to grab a cheeky back objective with Cad Bane on the first turn, if your opponent has any sort of scout moves or anything like that. So, easy way to get Cad Bane killed. It was. It was not a. It was. <laughs> let's just say that Cad Bane takes some getting used to, and that was that was one of my getting used to Cad Bane <laughs> games.
1: Iden's just going to Minesweep sweep it anyway. Let's be real.
2: Oh yeah, let's not even talk about the Aiden Minesweeper corner case.
1: Uh, you can say that for another episode.
2: Yeah. Here you go. Let's. Uh, we still have, briefly, we still have a campaign game to talk about,
1: so why don't we do that real quick? Yeah, so Kyle and I played our um, Imperial Attack on Bothawai. Um, it was a successful Imperial Attack, but by a very slim margin. Um, basically, because the Rebels had no uh, heroes to help them out, Kyle went all in on activation spam and he met me with a 13 activation list headed by a generic, which was pretty, pretty nutty to play against. Um, Boba Fett did pretty darn good. Um, He survived for about what, four and a half rounds. Yeah. But he was being shot like the entire time. Like this dude should not have lived that long. If my dice were eating even close to average, probably. But I think Boba's, what, his first move of the game was Z6 Rocket killing a, stri- a sniper strike team. And then he bountied the Rebel Officer on the second turn. And it's, But instead of withdrawing, he decided to, to stick around, which was a mistake. I should have just run him away with the bounty token and just played the rest of the game with my normal troops. But I decided to get, to get cute and got him killed, as newbie Boba players often do. And it really came down to a scrum over the middle key position. And it was back to, you know, I got to make this move and attack this unit and suppress it. And hopefully it doesn't get to move and shoot so that my other guys don't also get suppressed and they can move and do their stuff. It was like I one of those, um, uh, kind of a tactics puzzle managing the economy of our units as things take down to the very end. And, uh, something happened at the end of the game that, uh, is extremely rare, according to your math, Kyle, that this would happen. Um, an Imperial officer tried to shoot a rebel trooper in the open and missed. <laughs> and then a sniper team tried to shoot a lone uh, stormtrooper in the open and also missed. <laughs> and the Empire won on victory points.
2: Yeah, that Sometimes. would have been a good difference, basically, in either direction. Uh, but the fact that it even came down to that in the last two activations of the game kind of tells to how close it was. You, d- you did a good job forcing hemmed um we played on geonosis and i took the lat side because that's what you do on geonosis when you're blue yep but it turns out that side is not great for hemmed in. i probably should not have had that in my deck um there were not enough corner peeking spots for three snipers which you did a good job exploiting with that bubble rocket on the first turn and my rebel officer was just uh hanging out in the wind basically. and he was behind a line of sight blocker, but you know, with Hemdin, Rudd can come from two directions. So there's not really a good line of sight blocker in the blue zone on in to hide from both of those. So um yeah, it was a good job getting the bounty early there. I think I think it would have been a much less close game if you had just run away with Bubba. Yeah. But um you know you wanted to roll some dice. We were playing kind of fast and loose. So it ended yeah. up being
1: closer. I wanted to roll dice and, you know, I wanted to use Boba, right? Because Boba's like the cool Mandalorian that flies everywhere and has the tough save. And, and that was a lot of meat to chew through. There were so many dudes and so many wounds. It was nuts. And yeah. then, like, oh, oh, can we talk about the hero E-11s real quick? I think I did more wounds to E-11s off white crits from – or more wounds to our ATRTs off of um, white crits from stormtroopers just shooting their normal guns. It was really dumb because precise is really good when you have aim.
2: Yeah, I think your medic squad had like a three a triple crit roll against one of the ATRTs.
1: Yeah, it was absurd. Yeah, and it just like put. I think we put three wounds, and I was like, "Wow, that's a huge break in my direction because that rarely happens."
2: Yeah, and the ATRTs were fine, but you know they're ATRTs.
1: Yeah, they're not. You know. They're superb in the right situations, but again, against a massive red saves, it's not the most effective thing. Yeah. Anyway, super fun game.
2: Yeah, it was. It was funny because it was kind of like a 2019, you know, stormtroopers versus rebel troopers kind of game. But I think it exhibited one of the sort of forgotten about strength of stormtroopers, which is that they are a very cheap red save. Like if you had what's, you had a snowtrooper unit, so you had five storms and one unit of snows with an officer and a medic that is a silly amount of red safes to just chew through yeah Yeah. that's a lot of beef they're they're not gonna blow stuff off the
1: table like shores or phase twos but um it's a lot of red (laughs) safes yeah we were definitely in the in the volume versus volume department and and there wasn't a lot of cover to be had except for the lat but when i think what ended up happening was boba was on one side and kind of attracted all the rebel troopers towards him, but that left some of the rebel squads in, in the open. Cause they were, you know, they had to do a risky move to shoot him. And so we ended up trading a few shots across open ground. Um, I took some open shots as well, but we we were just sort of, you know, I just kind of had to rush the middle on five in order to be in the right position to score on six. And so there was a lot of like for turn five, I think I spent most of it double moving because everything had to go to the middle in order to have a chance to win. I knew I couldn't, Stand and shoot like I wanted to, and like the only sometimes in KP, if you get to like turn four, and you see that it's going to come down to a, a unit leader's on point. Sometimes you just have to stop shooting and start running, and that can that can really make a difference.
2: It was definitely a game where I would have really loved to have fleets in some capacity. I know that's a rarely uttered phrase, but it was super close quarters very quickly. And I think my fleets would have been able to shoot on turn one if not turn two, because
1: yeah that a scouted fleet unit would have been able to shoot my my snows immediately, I think because i I had put them so far forward, and even even you know on the on the hemmed inside that that I favored right, I think the fleets could have gotten there and maybe even have shot a boba, yeah, probably, given him you know boba fleets used to put the fear of the fear of the lord into boba. <laughs> Like for that's how I mean, it used to be too,
0: Frankly, if you if you've got Boba in your list and they've got fleet troopers, like you know, like eh.
1: Yeah, you feel pretty negative about that when they're even anywhere remotely close to him. They're they're when they hit, man, they have the high volume, they have the they have the pierce, and Boba does not feel happy at all about being hit by fleets. Yeah.
2: I miss I miss fleets. I miss using fleets, but range two is just so short. <laughs> anyway yeah so that was our game we it is the rebel turn to attack a planet so there's going to be a video of this but basically we chose to attack uh a naked well not a naked an imperial world without any characters on it with han so uh
0: veer has moved veers has moved to intercept so, veers it was, did move
2: to intercept. so yeah. it's going to be han versus veers okay
0: yep that'll be um, fun yeah i believe it's on Malaster maybe um, yes Malaster yeah so um that'll be cool uh we've by the time that this cast is out the first episode of the campaign will be live um and i believe uh sometime in the next couple days we'll have the second episode out um and once this third game gets played hopefully we'll get on a regular schedule i was doing a lot of like editing and stuff on the first one for the the intro and kind of um putting like some maps and stuff up so that you guys can see what was going on a little bit more. Um, so hopefully that's uh, good, uh, give us some feedback on it, let us know what you think. Um, I'm sort of testing my uh, Adobe skills uh, with this. So <laughs> uh, bear with me a little bit, but I think that uh, I'm, I'm happy with how
2: it came out. So Awesome. Well, looking forward to that.
0: Any final thoughts? You know, put those staps on sideways.
3: Make it happen. Uh make silhouettes for every base size in this game. Yeah, only
0: only if they make them good silhouettes. They can't be like the infantry ones where you can like shoot the air and like hit random things. Uh I'm not about that life.
3: Alright, so Mike, Mike and I clearly need a a podcast uh, after dark where we just <laughs> go on a silhouette rant for an hour and a half.
0: There we go. I'll talk to Jay about that. I'll I'll be like, hey Jay, next next after dark podcast, we're gonna we're gonna talk about silhouettes. Me and Zach are gonna come on and just rant the whole time.
2: I think they would be perfect if they were like cone shaped or if the shoulders were tapered.
0: Uh, I think that I want- that's the
2: only issue with them.
1: But, I want them to be a hexagon, basically. So it's like it's not not a taper, but just like the corners need to be brought yeah. in. Right. Anyway. All right.
2: Uh ban instructions. Or lack of instructions. Have
1: fun. Still in yeah.
2: No, it was it was fun putting the manos and stabs together. It's just, you know. I'm very grateful that they look awesome. And uh yeah figure out a process for the steps. anyway we are the notorious scoundrels i'm kyle i'm mike i'm david i'm zach stay fresh cheese bags